Welcome to Chucking a Sickie. This week, I can't go to work because it's actually a bit sensitive. I'm going through a pretty messy divorce at the moment, and as a stage director, I have to focus on my craft and my child. I'm your host, Harry, and each episode, we invite a very special guest and go through their perfect day off. From the excuse they use to get off work, to the song that sets the tone for the day, their favorite meal, and of course, their adventurous afternoon. A real-life Ferris Bueller's day off. We have a lot of exciting episodes coming up, from comedy superstars to bands, playwrights, actors, and hell, maybe even Henry Barber. But this week, we have the terrific Catherine Bourne-Taylor. Catherine is based in LA and she's an actor, director, writer, comedian, and just so much more. Catherine is part of the Backroom One project, which we chat about on the podcast as well, and it's a pretty awesome concept. Catherine has directed and starred in two short films, Ships in the Night and Fern. And recently, Catherine won Pick of the Fringe for her one-woman show, Grown Up Orphan Annie, which is coming to the Edinburgh Fringe very, very soon. Catherine will be performing her debut show, Grown Up Orphan Annie, at the Edinburgh Fringe from the 2nd to the 27th of August. So make sure to grab your tickets to this show. Links to the show are in the description below. As always, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Chuck and Asiki. Really means a lot to us. But for now, pull out that thermometer and get ready to call your boss because it's time for Chucking Asiki. <coughs> Chuck Asiki. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us on Chucking Asiki. Ah, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. You're joining us all the way from LA. I, I think you're our first LA guest and I, it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, well, thanks for having me. Um, it's, it's my first time doing the Edinburgh Fringe. This will be the world premiere of my show. So it's, I'm kind of here in LA in like go mode right now. Um, so this is actually a great little break from yeah. doing all the, all the things. All of the things, because you were also doing the Hollywood Fringe, I understand as well. Yes, that just ended. I had my previews there, and uh, we won some awards, so that's great. That felt really good. <laughs> good start. It was, yeah, it was. It's great to know that the first time I do this in front of an audience won't be um, at the Edinburgh Fringe. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it will be uh, a award acclaimed show by the time you you go over to the Fringe as well. Actually, right before this, I was struggling on Canva. Uh, trying to figure out how to add the laurels to my poster. And I'm like an hour and a half <laughs> deep into this issue. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so maybe it would have been better to just not get the awards. I think that probably would have solved the Canva issue, I feel. I should have just never done it. I should have yeah. never tried. Yeah. All the acclaim, well, it's so hard. <laughs> so grown up orphan Annie, before we even get into your sick day, this is your new show that's coming to the fringe. In the past, you've obviously, I mean, since eight years old when you were in a chorus and picking your nose on stage, you've done directing, you've done acting, but this is your first one-woman show. What inspired you to, to take on this challenge? I was really interested in the fact that when you look at all the things that Annie has been through and dealt with, it, it actually doesn't add up to a very, like, uh, well... Uh, it doesn't add up to someone who's like doing great as an yeah. adult. And I think we're seeing yeah. that with a lot of child stars, right? Um, yeah. So Annie's whole thing is that she is still trying to use the tactics that worked for her as a child to connect with her adult peers and to make her famous again, but it's not working. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she yeah, can't which... figure out why. Yeah, run into a bit of trouble there. I feel like it's a bit like a Macaulay Culkin uh, inspired story. 
It definitely resonates with a lot of child star stories that are coming out. And that wasn't even something that I was my purpose in it initially, but it's definitely been a source of inspiration as I've <laughs> yeah. gone through. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's stranger than fiction half the time what you read about child stars. So I can, I'm sure the inspiration for Annie would have just been picked out from there. Well, and I mean, think about it. She was abandoned, put in an orphanage, yeah. living in poverty. And then in the course of a week, a, a, a rich man liked her enough, thought she was charming enough that he was going to save her and take her home and make her a billionaire and make her a star <laughs> yeah. and like an icon of hope. And that's yeah. a lot to live up to. That's like a recipe to crash and burn. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I also feel like nowadays, uh, if that situation occurred, no one would take that first step with a random old man trying to save them. That is like Stranger Danger 101. <laughs> so true. Well, and if you see the show, we go into that. Yeah. <laughs> no spoilers though, no spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> I mean, before you were doing this this show that obviously you're taking to the fringe as well, uh, you had recently directed and written uh, a short and your second one, Fern, has just come out as well. Um, what what can you tell us about Fern, which is, I believe, your second uh, directed and written Sure. Yeah, yeah. Fern, uh, I co-directed with my friend and collaborator, Mary Tilden, and it follows two friends uh, on the day that one of them, my character, is leaving Chicago to move to Los Angeles. It's loosely inspired by the very awkward last walk to get coffee we had on the morning that I moved <laughs> to LA and left, left Mary yeah. alone in Chicago. And uh Mary's character gifts me with a very large fern that I then have to lug around town um, and and chaos ensues. It's really fun. It's a great premise as well because I think about all the times that you get a gift that if you're at a bar or if you're a night out or having a coffee and you've then just got to lug it around because you don't know when you're going to be home, it never goes well. No, it doesn't. And it's actually like really annoying and not a thoughtful thing to do. And in the case <laughs> of the film, uh, my character has to get on a plane in two hours and she's going to have to figure out how to check it. It's this yeah. whole issue. So yeah. They, people should really be giving event appropriate gifts. I so just want money or gift cards. <laughs> yeah, just cash. People should just give cash. That's the easiest option. <laughs> Yeah. Please. Oh, actually, we don't have Venmo in Australia. We're a bit. We've got um, we've got Beam, which we use here. Venmo, I know because of America, but yeah, it's not something we have here. Beam. Yeah, it's called Beam. Oh, that sounds so like inspirational. Beam. It's it's not. I mean, you can give gifts when you give them money. That's probably the extent of how exciting it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get into the headspace of the the perfect elf. But to start the perfect day. You've got to start off in your worst job. So what has been your absolute worst job? Okay, I'm not going to name names, but there is a coffee shop in Dallas, Texas that I worked at right out of college. And this place was run by a maniac. Um, okay. Let's call her Melanie. She enlisted her 15-year-old son to work at the coffee shop to spy on all of us. Oh, that is nasty. It was insane. And I found, I put this together, this was happening because I got called into her office 
and she was telling me that I had really bad, uh, a really bad attitude and <laughs> that I had been saying all these things like, um, oh, time to work, time to blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I was saying those things, but I was joking. I was trying to build camaraderie, like yeah. in mind with everybody. And her 15 year old son didn't know that I was joke because he's a 15 year old child. Yeah, he is a legitimate child. He's he's, he's not a even slightly an adult. Legally, he could be working actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's actually a very good point. Yeah. So anyway, he would spy on us all the time. Uh, the workers who rose in the ranks to be managers were like alpha males who oh, I, I remember who inspired like, to be like. Oh yeah, and, like I would watch them and I was just thinking like Armageddon better not happen while I'm working here because <laughs> these men are the guys who would like stockpile supplies and like just start killing everybody. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. They're, they're just they're waiting alpha. for the moment. Yeah, they're alphas with no power. Um, <laughs> so it was just a mess and I put my two weeks notice in and they called me into the office 30 minutes before the end of my last shift to let me know I was fired. Oh my God. That, why? I, what is the purpose of that? Pettiness. The last, yeah, the last yeah, word. She had can to get the just, last word. Can I just say though, I think everyone makes complaints about their works. It's it's part of human nature, but you don't do it in front of the boss, obviously. Or but the when boss's there's a spy, son. Yeah, or the boss's son, evidently. <laughs> Don't I still do can't believe they fired you though. That just seems so petty. I was literally about to, it was like the last 30 minutes <laughs> of my shift and I get called in and like all these complaints like brought to me that no one had told me about. Like no one had mentioned these things. Um, and then they said like, uh, oh, and then I go, so should I just leave? Like, should I leave? And they go, no, you can finish your shift. Oh. And because I was like oh my God. years old, I yeah. finished my shift. Oh, why? You should have left. I can't <laughs> believe you got fired and then still worked. Like that is the one time that you don't have to work. No, I know. I think I just didn't have the courage to walk out the door and be like, screw you to everybody. I, yeah. I think now I would, but me at that age, no, like that... I would never. I was like a girl living in Texas on my own for the first time. <laughs> Look, I'll be honest. As a full-blown adult, I probably still wouldn't do the mic drop exit from any work, I think, ever. A mic drop takes courage and a lot of confidence. People don't... It, it doesn't happen every day because it does take a lot of <laughs> confidence. Not. Yeah, it's, it's not for everyone. I'm happy to say that I am too scared to do that mic drop. If I could, I would, but... I can understand as a 20 year old, how you could not, not do that. Yeah. I'll just let you treat me like crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll finish off the shift. Don't worry. Even though you just fired me. So we're speaking about your work in Dallas as well. I understand that when you're in Dallas, you used to do Shakespeare in pubs. Yeah. So I uh, started this group right after college uh, called Shakespeare in the Bar. And uh, it was inspired by a similar group in Chicago called uh, the Backroom Shakespeare Project that now I actually run the LA chapter of. Oh, incredible. Um, so for the last, I, I was thinking about this. I feel like the only thing I know how to do really well, like I can say I'm a master of, is doing under-rehearsed Shakespeare in bars. <laughs> yeah. yeah only thing that I think I'm, I could like excel at at any moment of, of the day. Um, it's, it's a niche talent. I don't know how useful it is in everyday life. You don't make um, a lot of money. 
No, not at all. Not at all. What was your favorite Shakespearean play to do in a bar? Oh, actually Richard the Third. Richard the <laughs> okay. Third, because I think that um when you do Shakespeare in a place like a pub or a bar, the audience is able to listen as themselves and not have this idea that they need to be fancy or impressive. Um, yeah. And, and Richard III has so many battles and, and you know, the, the bad guy, Richard III is always talking to the audience. And that was just so fun to see the audience interact with Richard III and cheer when he died. Like it was <laughs> so rowdy, so much fun. I feel like as well, when you're in a bar, people are a little bit tipsy. So the reactions are slightly increased. And by slightly, I mean a lot. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And they're just a lot more generous. Like it, they love, a people don't change over time, right? Like people are the same as they were in the 1500s and people <laughs> yeah. love a bit. They love like a song. They love a dog. Like it's so funny how people don't yeah. change from when these were written. <coughs> In order to get your perfect day off, though, you have to have an excuse. So what would you tell your boss to get out of work for the day? I thought long and hard about this. And I think the key to a, a really believable excuse is planting the seeds early. So I back this 100%. Yep. The day before, you need to just be lagging a little bit. And when someone asks, are you okay? You need to be like, I just, uh, I'm feeling off. I, I threw up in the bathroom earlier, but please don't tell anybody because I want to push through. I think I can push through. You just need to have l sprinkle little bits. The crumbs. Like, little the bread crumbs. crumbs. You're yeah. crafting a narrative. You're crafting a <laughs> yeah. story. In fact, be like, please don't tell the boss because I don't want her to think that I, I'm not committed. I want her to know I'm going to be here tomorrow if I can be. Anyway, then, so now that you've planted these crumbs, that evening, the day before you want your day off, you need to give a call and you need to say something like, um, yeah, I don't know if Kelsey told you, Kelsey is the coworker who, yeah, you know, of course, who you told up. that you were vomiting in the yeah, bathroom. Yeah, who you know has a, like, who tells the manager everything, right? She's the 15-year-old. She's Kelsey is the 15-year-old son. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it back. I say to the 15-year-old son. Yeah, he knows it all. Exactly. I tell the 15-year-old son <laughs> that I was throwing up. I really don't want it to be a thing. Please don't tell your mom because I'm committed to this job. <laughs> yeah, so committed. Yeah. Please don't get me fired. Don't get me fired. So I call that night and I, I just say something like, I just, I don't know what's going on. Um, and I also think the key to the perfect lie is like giving the impression of vulnerability or disclosing okay. something. Yeah, that you, you don't want other people like, to know. Yeah, so I would say something like, and I actually have said this before because I'm an actor, you know, and so before <laughs> the pandemic, auditions were in person. And so I've had to come up with a lot of reasons why I couldn't come into work with 20 no. Yeah. So I've used this before. You need to be like, well, I mean, a full disclosure. I just took a pregnancy test. I'm not pregnant, but yeah, I feel so woozy. I feel so weird. Oh and God. nine times out of 10, someone will be like, absolutely. I've been there. Yes. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, cause it's the combination of like, you could still be pregnant, 
which, you know, especially at the time, if you don't want it, terrible. And then yes. if you're not, like, there is seriously something wrong with you if you're feeling as though you're pregnant. Right. And, like, disclosing to your superior that you took a pregnancy test, it, like, <laughs> yeah. levels the plane. It's like, I wouldn't be, I know this is unprofessional. I'm just saying because I really do feel sick. Like, yeah, yeah. especially if it's a dude if it's a dude in charge i feel like that is a, a surefire way to get straight out of work there we go he's, he's not he's not touching that at all like, yep yep that's fine that's yeah, fine yeah. Move on with your woman, if it's a woman then they feel i think really uh like leveled with as a yeah. like woman to woman forget the hierarchy i'm talking to you as a human now yeah <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And, and as you said, she might have been through it before herself. So she's like, I understand. Or at the very least, she's used the same excuse. Right, exactly. At the very least, she's used the same excuse. Yeah. She would never. She's always owned that coffee shop. Yeah, I feel like there's some people that just never take a day off work. It, it's interesting with now generation. I think we take off work a lot more than, you know, in the 50s and 60s where like you essentially would be on your last breath and you'd still be in the mines until until you dropped. In the mines. Yeah, you're so I just assume that's what everyone did in the 50s. That everyone was just in mines. And with a pickaxe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the canaries and whatnot. They're like digging all day. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And they, they dig until they're 90 and that's it. Exactly. I think there is a lot of benefit as well, like the call the night before and the disclosure, because it means that you don't have to do it on the day. Exactly. And it doesn't seem um, like you woke up and just decided you can't go to work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The and pre the premeditation. Yeah. And the seeds have been planted since that morning. So right now you're just paying off something that really started 12 hours ago. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably the best way to do it in terms of premeditation. I think that sometimes if you say on the morning, it's just, it's a question of whether or not they even care. Right. And like, how think, many of us actually wake up like that morning being at, like violently ill? I felt great in the evening and now yeah. I'm sick. Like not <laughs> real. Yeah. Look, it's happened to me once I would say in my life where I've woken up the next morning, felt fine the night before, woke up the next morning and was like, I have full blown pneumonia. So, yes. you know, rare, very rare. Exactly. Exactly. And people know this. We're dealing with humans, so we have to be smart, I think. Yeah, we've got to we've got to outfox them. That's <laughs> the way to do it. We've got to outfox the 15-year-old cafe manager. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going to great lengths here. I find that majority of the jobs that people hate are jobs that they did where there is teenagers or you were a teenager i think yeah. that is always a recipe for disaster well and even worse it's jobs that could be done by a teenager but for some reason there's like 30 year old alpha males also running this <laughs> coffee shop as yeah. lackeys to the 15 year old son of the owner yeah, it's weird i can't actually picture these men except just hair everywhere and muscles i can't like picture the human form it's just just that they were really big you're so yeah. right they were <laughs> big and broad and there were like four of them and they rose up in the ranks very very quickly oh, um, my heroes my yeah. absolute heroes Texas <laughs> really recognizes like masculinity and it was so apparent at that coffee shop yeah i don't know if i'm so surprised by that in dallas texas nope 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 <clears throat> All right. Well, look, for you today, you've got the day off. You've put in the hard yard, so you get to take the day off. Um, and I'm not sure if you have this in America, but do you have Baraka Performance? Baraka the, a, Performance? Yeah. It's like a fizzy drink that helps you with energy. It's like a hydrolyte, like 
peps you up for the day. Just like vitamin B and vitamin D and all of the zinc and vitamins and stuff. That sounds great. It's it's really good. Uh, So this this little bit is the Baraka Performance Song. So, because it's not a big night, it's a big day. That's their slogan. Uh, They haven't sponsored us yet, but we have no doubt that they will. Uh, Maybe if we... Maybe if we bring it to America, uh, we could finally get that uh, Baraka sponsorship that we've been yearning for. Yeah, what you just said convinced me because that sounds like actually <laughs> yeah. a wonderful thing. That I can't yeah. think of something we have here like that. Okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to embargo this episode until I bring Baraka to America because I don't want any of the listeners stealing my idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can go in together. We can make millions. I'm telling I'll you. I'll help you. I'm in. Yeah, great. Uh, if you... So we're only going to use crypto to fund it. So that should be safe. Like there's no issues with that at all. It should be a straight fire way to the shop. Top. Great. Good. I'm in. And the shop. Uh, okay. So Baraka Performance song to pump you up because you want to start off the day with a bang. So what would be your pump up song to start off the day just right? Um, I think it's got to be Donna Lewis's uh, I Love You Always Forever. The uh, I Love You Always Forever. Yeah, I know that one. And specifically when it hits, right? And it's the sing you love, love me forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. yeah Again, that's what it would be. It's a choice of a song that in a club that comes on and all the 90 kids are like, this is the best thing ever. And it's so epic, right? Like yeah. you just picture yourself on a stage, like pointing to the audience. And it's, yeah. it's so epic. It's, it's. I mean, most of these songs are main character vibes. This is definitely one of them. Do you know other songs by Donna Lewis or is it just that song? I don't know any. I just realized. <laughs> Neither do I. I reckon I don't know a single other song except that. I didn't even know it was by Donna Lewis. I just know the song. I knew you were going to ask this question. So I had to look up who sings that song. That's why I know it's Donna Lewis. That's, I've never had anyone pick a choice where they didn't actually know who sung the song. And I back it 110%. <laughs> If Donna Lewis is listening to this, I'm going to be humiliated. Yeah, <laughs> Can you make yeah. sure she doesn't listen to this? I, I, I'm going to have to embargo a lot of people for this <laughs> for this episode. Donna Lewis, we, but we love Donna Lewis. So if anything, if she hears this episode, we're, we're outpouring our love for her. Oh, absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's the song I, that would start my day. Um, okay. That's, that's a great, great choice. Um, I think it's hard to stuff up a pump up song. There's just so many options out there that if you... I mean, unless it's like a really sad song. Someone, someone chose "Torn." That was a bit. Uh, that was a bit interesting. I backed the choice, but different. I think it was in, in Talia's episode. Talia Jones. She chose. She's a comedian from Australia, and she chose "Torn" by Natalie and Brulia. I, I got to say, it fit her perfect day off perfectly. Wait, how does that song go? It's like, is that the "I'm bruised and uh, I'm ashamed"? No. Yeah, lying, lying, like hopeless on the floor. floor. Yeah, Nick, I don't even know the lyrics, but. (laughs) That's really funny. Actually, my second choice is a very different vibe. It's from the Weepies, and it's The World Spins Madly On. And um, never heard of them. It's like early, it's it's 2000s coffee shop vibes. Okay. Um, The Weepies, what a name. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. But the first line is, um, I woke up and wished that I was dead. Oh, that is... Why would you want that at the start of your perfect yes, day off? Why? It's because it, when it's playing, it makes your apartment feel really safe. It makes yeah, you feel like yeah. you're in a cocoon. Like you're in like a little beam of light, you know? It, it's, it's an easing into the day, though. It's not a... Uh, 
it's not a bang. bursting out. In, yeah, it's, that hand action as well really was the immersion from the cocoon that you just did. Yeah, straight yeah, out, hand flying through the other hand. Um, the Weepies, I don't know, just the name in and of itself. I, I prefer Donna Lewis, Me having too. never heard the, the Weepies. I think Donna Lewis is pumping. It's exciting. Weepies make me want to crawl back in bed. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to, and we got to get out of bed because this is our day off. And now you're out, which is great. You're very excited. Now you've got to choose your perfect meal. Now it could be uh, a Copa Vida uh, burrito, breakfast burrito, or Wait, a burger from about that? Fred 62. I do my how research. How do you know about this? <laughs> It could, it could be one of those options. We don't know. But what would be your perfect brunch or lunch in your, oh <laughs> in your area? You do your research. You do I do. I like, to, I like to stump people where they're like, where did I say that? And I'm like, oh, the bottom of the internet. These are deep cuts. They are These very are deep, deep cuts. cuts. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Damn. Okay. I mean, the Copa Vida bur breakfast burrito is pretty dang good. But since I put that on the internet, um, I have moved <laughs> to the Valley. And okay. uh, now I know about Hank's bagels. And so Hank's, okay. oh, I'm going to say, yeah, we go down the street to Hank's bagels and get a uh, salt bagel with chive cream cheese on the side because I, I love Hank's, but they slather the cream cheese on too much. And I like to uh, portion it out as precisely. Yeah, you don't want it to just be cream cheese. No, you no, want no. more of the, the salty bagel to come through. I'm also frankly a little weird about cream cheese unless I am applying it. When in middle school, this is a core memory. I remember seeing a girl like opening up a cream cheese packet and like licking it. <laughs> <laughs> from the carton oh that is so she just she didn't use this like she didn't apply it to anything she just licked she was just eating the cream, cream cheese, cheese licking it out <laughs> I mean, kids are so weird so weird but I'm sh adults would do that too that's i thing. feel and i just remember seeing that and being like really upset by it so i, yeah. I love cream cheese but i gotta apply it myself from that point on, you've got trauma associated with licking of the cream cheese. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I'd go to Hank's Bagels and I would get a uh, salt bagel with chive, chive cream cheese. But in this fantasy, Hank's Bagels is really similar in vibe to Bar Flores, which okay. is a great bar in Echo Park. And I get an espresso martini to go with it. Okay, I've never had a martini with a bagel before. Have you tried this combination? No, I haven't. But uh, on this day, I do, and it's perfect. Okay, let's let's deconstruct this a little bit. I gotta gotta start off with the bagel. I um, is Hank's bagel akin to like a New York bagel? Is that yeah. the, is that the style of it? Okay, so it's it's the same. I did not know with cream cheese until I went to New York recently that you can get different flavors of cream cheese that aren't just like chili. Is that not a thing in... Wait, chili is a flavor of cream cheese? <laughs> we used to have like sweet chili cream cheese. Uh, it's just what I distinctly remember. Maybe there's other flavors now, but th they were having the... Like they had tofu cream cheese oh, and man. like like Fruit Loop cream cheese. Like just like the craziest combinations of cream cheese. Oh, I mean, that doesn't surprise me in New York. Um, that's really funny to hear though, because... 
across America, the cream cheese flavors are kind of a staple. Uh, usually there's okay. at least six options if you're going to a bagel place. Yeah, I think bagels are just not as big here. I wish they were. That's like we're, we're much more of a sandwich nation, which cream cheese just doesn't feature. A sandwich nation. Yeah, it's, it's a real shame. How will our countries uh, overcome this? I don't know. Bagel nation against a sandwich nation. I've got to say, though, the salt bagel, I had it for the first time, or rather I saw it for the first time. Flavor that you can see. Absolutely love that. So you didn't taste it, but you saw it. Uh, yeah, my, my partner ate it and she seemed to love it. I watched her eat it and it looked like a pleasurable experience. <laughs> great, great. I, I didn't eat it myself, but I just love when you can see the little granules of salt. That's when you know you're getting like a really juicy, delicious bagel. It feels quality, right? It feels um, bespoke. It's really nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I still can't get it. I understand why you're getting cream cheese on the side, but it still bewilders me that you're going to then apply. You're essentially just getting a plain salt bagel. I'm getting a plain salt bagel with cream cheese that I can then put on it. I'm going to tear it off in little pieces. And on each individual piece, I'm going to apply the correct amount of cream cheese because I just know I can't <laughs> trust people to give me the correct amount of cream cheese. Sorry, so you're not even smearing it. You're just, you're, you're taking it essentially like dipping it into the cream cheese. And I'm making little bagel bites. <laughs> okay, I don't mind the bagel bites. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every, every bite is the perfect proportions. I don't have to work around anything. I'm honest, I hate it, <laughs> but it's your perfect day. So we will allow it. I feel like if they were little bagel bites, because you don't want like a part of the bagel that doesn't have the juicy, salty outside. Mm -hmm. So you've got to make sure you like portion it correctly because otherwise it's just like the inside of the bread. Yeah, absolutely. No, and that's why I'm tearing it into little pieces. So I'm taking a large bagel and making a bunch of little bread pieces that I can then apply the cream cheese correctly <laughs> to. I, it seems like a, a type of snack that you would have in a movie theater where you're just like popping it in your mouth. <laughs> that is so I funny. actually, I don't, I actually, I'm coming around to the idea. I don't think I hate it as much as I originally thought because I feel like, again, it's probably a product that you could sell quite well. That's super true, actually. I feel like, uh, I don't know if you have this thing called Lunchables. Um, we do. Yeah, I think they're called like munchables here. Same, same concept. Yeah. And I think you could make something like that, um, but with bagels so that every little piece you get to kind of do it yourself and it's like a little craft for you. Yeah. I think listeners think I'm way too much of a pendulum because I absolutely love that idea, <laughs> which is very different to my rich. I wouldn't look, I wouldn't choose it for my perfect day, but I love the concept. Yeah. Great. I'll take it. I'll take it. Bar Flores, what's what's the vibe of it? Because oh you're getting your espresso martini, uh, espresso martini with the bagel at Bar Flores. Mm -hmm. What's the vibe? The vibe is it's in Echo Park, which is a really cool neighborhood in LA, and um, it's a very hilly. Like the hills are some of the craziest hills I've ever driven up and down. Okay. Um, but that means that the businesses and the houses are built into the side of. Uh, hills so it actually oh, feels cool. european um so to get to bar floors you have to walk up a set of stairs and then you go out on the patio and it's built into the hill with all oh, these awesome. all this flora it's so great it and the drinks are awesome it's just a really good vibe look not the first time that we've had someone choose having 
a drink on the side of a mountain. Nicolette Min- Minster also chose that. Uh, she was Jennifer Coolidge in, in her scenario. Uh, yes. But I would definitely say that a martini on the side of a hill sounds delightful. The thing that worries me is getting back down because stairs mm. up, fine before the martinis. After the martinis, a much harder thing to do. Someone, Adam Driver, appears out of nowhere, picks me <laughs> up, bridal carries me <laughs> down the stairs and just sets me on the sidewalk, looks at me for a really long time and then like nods his cap and walks off. <laughs> I can actually, the nodding of the cap, I can picture like so vividly. Are you, yeah. are you a big Adam Driver fan? Have you Absolutely. ever Have you ever worked with him before? I've never worked with him. And now that I've said this, I'll be humiliated if I ever do because I deeply <laughs> oh. want to be seen as a peer of his. Um, <laughs> yeah, not carried down the stairs. Not like, down the yeah. stairs. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, look, if he's listening, I think we can make this happen. I, I have faith. I just need a moment, Adam. He can, he'll probably, he won't say anything. He'll just come up to you and he'll just carry you away. And he'll that's be like, exactly I know. what I want. And, and it's because he'll sense a deep, like past life connection with us. And we <laughs> yeah, both okay. know that it can never happen in this life. And it's, it's for the best. But <laughs> on this day, he's at Bar Flores and we see each other across the room. He comes by, he sees that I'm having trouble getting down the stairs, not because I'm drunk, but just because I'm in distress it's a and hill. It's hard. It's a hill. And he picks me up and looks at me, tips his cap, and then he walks off into the crowd. <laughs> and that's enough for us. And then you never see him again. Never. That's the perfect ending. That's the perfect that's... ending. <laughs> okay. If you could go anywhere in the world for your perfect meal, where would you go? Okay, here's what I would do. Yeah. I would. There was a wine bar right down the street. That was like the reason we moved to this neighborhood. No way. <laughs> it was the reason we moved to this neighborhood. Listen to this. Two weeks ago, I got a text message from my friend and it just says, oh, Augustine, no. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It burned down. Oh, no. It, it caught flames in the middle. Of, I'm sorry to get real, but oh, like that is. Caught- that is so sad. So the reason was, for you moving to your house is now it gone. It was a large reason because this, <laughs> yeah. this wine bar is like, it was, it's so wonderful. Um, just, it was like the dim lights, the really good wine. Um, they had amazing tater tots that you could get late at night. Important. Very important. Nothing better important. than tater tots. So yeah, I'd go back in time and I'd have Before one last glass of wine at Augustine. <laughs> There is nothing worse than your favorite place burning down because one of my favorite pizza places in Sydney actually burnt down. There was like a fire burning in the kitchen. so violent. I know. It's just so aggressive. Um, yes. But they, re- they rebuilt and now it's called um, Bar Reggio uh, and they rebuilt it and now it's working again. But is Augustine going to be... Re- the same? It, yeah, it does. It does. Okay. It's still run by the same people, so it's okay. But it took a, a while, like three or four years for it to get back there so let's hope with augustine there is a chance that it will be rebuilt to that dim lighted tater tot infused wine bar i hope so it, it was truly an amazing <laughs> place and i and it's i was in shock all day yeah it's like I losing an old friend yes it's like how can something that existed so clearly be gone now <laughs> Like you are literally describing death. I'm describing death. Like it's died. 
out of nowhere. Yeah, gonna have to have a commemorative service. Maybe get some wine, pour some wine and tater tots on where it was and, and have a memory for it. That'd be sweet. Yeah, I'll make that a shrine. Nice. Yeah, a shrine for all the plan is for it to come back. So okay. we'll see. So there's hope. Yeah, yeah, there's hope <laughs> there's on the horizon. Chukasiki. <coughs> We're already starting to get into some exciting activities. So after you have this delicious meal, so you've got your bagel, you've had your martini, like Ferris Bueller, you're going to have an adventurous afternoon. So what would you choose for your perfect adventure? It can be anything with anyone. What would you do? Okay, I get a call. Well, sorry. First, I go home and I'm sitting on my couch and I'm watching the latest episode of a K-drama. Um, I'm really okay. into K-dramas. They're... Yeah like romantic comedies from South Korea. I've watched over 50 of them. I have oh a whole God. spreadsheet where I rank them and I like list them out. And whenever anyone wants to get into K-dramas, I just give them my spreadsheet and I say, here, let me know if you have any questions. So this I is <laughs> right. I feel like this is a BuzzFeed article in the making. I deeply want to like be an like an American correspondent for like Kate Roman, <laughs> yeah. because I really think they bring people so much joy and I've given like performances about how great K-dramas are oh, okay what's what's number one for you what's the best K-drama out there that you've seen the number one K-drama that I have seen it's hard because I've watched so many but I think a great gateway K-drama that is in my top five is Crash Landing on You it's available on Netflix okay. and it's about a uh, South Korean heiress who's running. She's like a boss bitch. She's running a company and um, she's testing out a new parachute suit that she okay. made for her company. And right. in, in that moment when she's parachuting, like a tornado happens and she crash oh, lands into North Korea where she is found by a North Korean captain. Uh, and he, oh has my to, God. he has to hide her. He has Jeez. to hide her. And then she gets found out and he has to pretend like she's his fiance. And this whole time she's trying to get back to South Korea and he's trying to get her back, but it's proving really, really difficult. And the whole, <laughs> it follows their relationship. And what's even better is that these two actors got together in real life. They fell in love for real. And oh, I love it have, when that happens. They have like a baby son. Like they're married now. So oh my God. It's incredible. That is, that is a, a true life story. That is insane. But also I feel like the type of uh, K-pop, a K-drama that will get you killed uh, if seen in North Korea. Actually, I, I feel like I read something about how North Korea was really upset that it was Yeah, made. I can imagine. They're not a very chill country. No, no, no. They're not chill about anything, it seems. <laughs> no. It's just a story. And like, yeah. the guy's nice. Like, he doesn't want to be working for North Korea, but he doesn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're upset about the cultural appropriation of a South Korean playing a North Korean. Maybe that's the real issue that they have. And I can't speak to that. I'm not the authority on that. All I can say <laughs> yeah. is I really enjoyed this show. I okay. Think so, okay, let's say this day starts. I'm doing... I'm watching Crash Landing on You for the first time. I mean, just what a concept. What an <laughs> insane concept. I feel like if Hollywood made that, it would just never really fly. But 
K-drama? 100%. 100%. Well, and I guess the rights have been bought by a, an American production company, and people are very upset about it because how are you going to make that work unless yeah. you're willing? That's the thing. It, K-dramas, I've noticed, like, the comedy is very broad. The stories can go be so wide, like, reality is stretched, but because you've got these really talented writers and actors working on them, like they're still grounded. So you have these epic stories, epic romances that happen in K-dramas that are like really well acted. <laughs> but I think it's a lot braver storytelling than Western storytellers. Yeah, yeah. You would never see, uh, I guess, a movie about someone from America crash landing into Syria. Not, exactly. not, not a very pleasant concept at all. No, but you know what? They make it fun. It's so yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so fun. So, okay, okay. yeah. So, so you're watching that on the couch and then yeah. you get a call. And I get a call and it's my friend Brigham. And Brigham is like, um, oh my God, I was having brunch with the editor of Nylon Magazine. I don't... I'm just thinking of like a cool magazine, right? Okay. And Brigham's like, you came up and they couldn't believe I know you. They're having a party tonight at the Getty Villa. Can you go? And I'm like, I guess. Ugh, are we crazy? Are we doing this? <laughs> Ugh, okay. And so I jump into action and um, my friends come over and my husband is like playing house husband for us. He's like yeah. filling our champagne. And right. he's like, my wife, she's always out and about. I'm going to stay in <laughs> with my boys. <laughs> oh, golly. <laughs> yeah, but he's like having fun with us while I'm getting ready. And um, the theme of the party, I think the vibe is like, have you heard of this uh, TikTok micro trend called Tomato Girl? No, what's what's Tomato Girl? <laughs> it's basically a trend that's um, Italian leisure, but it's uh, okay. it's like rich leisure. It's like stealth wealth, specifically Italian villa vibes. I, I right. So like, okay, I, I'm getting I'm getting the understanding of it. Yeah, I've seen some videos of like Italian wealth, yes. and it seems crazy. And it's very luxurious, but not ostentatious. Um, okay, so we're somewhere in between White Lotus 2 and <laughs> just basic Italian. Let's living. say it's somewhere between White Lotus 2 and um, Cottage Core. So it's a lot okay. of flowy dresses, but they're very expensive. They're made out of like fine linen, yeah, breathable okay. materials. Yeah. <laughs> So you really yeah. thought through the clothing aspects of like to every detail. I really love clothing. I yeah. really like expressing myself through clothing, um, which is going to make Edinburgh hard because I'm going to be wearing my Annie costume all the time, like to yeah, fly. Not, not, not as exciting. It's just, I love Annie, but it's going to be hard, you know, <laughs> wearing the same thing every day. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to know what this means, but what is your favorite piece that you're like most proud of in terms of like expressional clothing? Oh, that's such a good question. I need to think about that. Okay. So there's a shop in Burbank in Los Angeles that sells old costume stock. It's called okay. It's a Wrap. And Great name. 
they resell the, the costumes just as clothing and you can get amazing deals. And I got a dress from the 1960s that was used in the new Elvis movie. It's like a wrap, blue and green floral. Um, It's got a tie at the side. It's like the perfect silhouette. Um, And I got it. It's a wrap for $30. And it's just the most bargain thing I've ever seen. So it was used in Elvis, like the Baz Luhrmann Elvis. Yeah. And it's such a cool shot because you can see on the tags, they have little codes. And if you go to the front, you can see what code the, uh, the project was. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So this is a a very cool concept. It would only work in LA though. Nowhere else in the world. Maybe, (laughs) maybe in India somewhere for Bollywood, but. Oh, that would be cool too. But yeah, um, it is hit and miss depending on what is shooting. And with the strike that's happening, I actually, now that I'm saying this, I do wonder what it's a rap is going to do. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. But when I guess during Mad Men days, the Mad Men era, the, the just the stock was perfect. Like you could go oh, in. Oh, would be so cool. You could have gotten a gorgeous like 1950s outfit for ten dollars because they mark everything down all day. It's yeah. an incredible place. So yeah. Okay, well that sounds great. Surely you're wearing this uh, beautiful uh, blue dress. Or yeah, it doesn't let's fit, say doesn't I am. Okay, fits let's the party. Let's say I am, because actually I think it can work for tomato for tomato girl. Um, <laughs> okay. It's luxurious, but it's breathable. It's high yeah. end. So yeah, it's I'm luxurious wearing... but practical. Yeah, because in this fantasy, I don't have to try hard. Oh, my helicopter is here. Oh, what? They're <laughs> yeah. here. Oh, I'm not ready, but it doesn't matter. I have to go. Yeah. So... <laughs> I say goodbye to my friends. I say goodbye to my husband, DJ. And they're like, have fun, you crazy rascal. <laughs> and I get in the helicopter and we go to the Getty Villa. Okay, which... what, what is the Getty Villa? I, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> what language are you speaking? Yeah. <laughs> the, the Getty Villa is a beautiful museum um, in Malibu. And it's, again, built into a hillside. <laughs> Everything has to be in a hillside. I love a hillside. Um, So yeah, it's on a hillside and it feels like you're in a Italian villa. Um, But it's overlooking Malibu. It's like overlooking the ocean. It's beautiful. Um, Everything is like white marble. Yeah, it sounds very picturesque. That's for sure. It's gorgeous. Um, And, and effortless right so while you're walking around like as a tourist you know sweating like in your head you're like i bet i lived here in a past life (laughs) yeah you didn't you were a servant yeah you were definitely a servant you you weren't the big leagues that's for sure no 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 no. (laughs) so so you turn up to this party via helicopter in the getty villa and you're in this this blue dress what happens at the party is is it anything exciting or is it just a really nice party okay well the second i get off the helicopter Everything goes into slow motion and I step off the helicopter and I look up and my hair is going back and uh, that, that, there she Oh yeah. <laughs> starts playing. Everyone in their minds hears it as I'm like getting off the helicopter mm. and walking off and I take my sunglasses off. Um, and then I see my best friends, all right. the boys from BTS. <laughs> so... <laughs> I thought you were going to say your actual best friends. And, no. and you're just like, I'm just living a K-pop, K-drama day. Yeah. No, I left my best friends at home. They were there cheering me on, but I'm at yeah. the party now. With the BTS my- boys. 
<laughs> where the boys from BTS are all there. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're like, Catherine, you're here. We thought you wouldn't make it. I'm like, oh, I know. It's, I, I'm sorry I'm late. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're all, like, joking around. We've got a really fun, like, brother-sister relationship with each other. It's um, like you've known each other for years. Exactly, because we have. <laughs> of we, course, of course. We were in the trenches together before we were famous. <laughs> <laughs> all struggling in South Korea. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like borders mean nothing, right? We can speak the same language. It doesn't yeah. matter. We're like old friends who have been through it. Yeah. Um, so we see each other. This isn't like a, a friendship of convenience. We understand each other and we feel safe with each other. <laughs> Me and the boys from BTS. Yeah, fantastic. Are you performing? Like, are they doing an impromptu gig here? Like, are they performing? Yeah, they're going to perform. They're going to perform. Would, you would take the lead, obviously. So they would be yeah. backing you up. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and they tell me this right when I get there. They're, and Because this wasn't planned, right? Yeah. The boys from BTS are like, hold on. Wouldn't it be crazy if we reprised our hit single <laughs> that we all did together with you and you popped up and did, I'm like, oh, that's, cr I can't. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, twist my arm if you really have to. I feel like, I feel like performers, it's always like they have to do the obligatory. No, I couldn't possibly. And it's like second time you ask, oh, of course. I was, And then they strip off and it's suddenly like this yeah. elegant gown that is underneath. It's like, oh, I didn't even realize. And I brought my own mic as well. Yeah, it's like that scene from Anchorman where he like pulls <laughs> yeah. up and goes, oh, I'm not, I didn't know. And yeah, just like, it just starts playing the flute, yeah. So yeah, it's similar to that. So we do like a great performance. Um, it goes awesome. There's a, a Q&A afterwards <laughs> with me. Um, because just impromptu, of course. <laughs> Q&A. How'd this table get here? What, what are we even doing? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, ask me your questions. You've got 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, I look out in the audience and one of like the student journalists is an ex, like someone who did me wrong. Oh, and okay. yeah, he's like avoiding my eye because it's humiliating how like the hierarchy and the power <laughs> dynamic has changed. <laughs> and so uh, you've really thought this through the ex yeah, in the I, audience. Yeah, he's in there and we don't talk. And honestly, like I'm so I so don't even care that I like see him and I'm like I clock it and I'm like okay oh funny <laughs> yeah, like whatever but he's gonna think about it for the rest of his life it, it right? will plague him you are you are Avril Lavigne's skater girl the one that got away well and and it's not even the one that got away it's like oh she won yeah. like, he knows he's he's been had yeah. he knows yeah. do you by chance uh, harbor some resentment against his ex by chance yes yeah. I am dealing with it and that's yeah. all I'll say okay that's good that's what we want to hear that sounds I'm working through it uh, I, I want to say healthy but I don't know if we're there yet <laughs> this also comes up in grown up orphan Annie inadvertently yeah. so stay tuned um <laughs> so yeah uh the night goes great we dance I get some good quality time in with the boys from BTS. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, oh, I know what I have to do. Oh, and goodness. I get a cheeseburger and I go to the beach and I just sit there and eat my cheeseburger. And that's when I hear my friend Mary, who I did Fern with, um, being like, Catherine, 
And I'm like, Mary, you're supposed to be in Chicago. And Mary's like, girl, I came to see you. And so then Mary and I just eat cheeseburgers on the beach. Has she brought the fern with her though? That's what I really want to know. Absolutely not. Because (laughs) the giant fern is a burden to carry around. No. Eating cheeseburgers on the beach is a very unique way to finish your perfect day. So let's go through your perfect sick day. And I want you to tell me what you think of it. So you start off the day with the worst job you've ever had, which is a coffee shop in Dallas where the 15-year-old son is spying on you all the time, which just sounds terrible. And then about 24 hours before, you tell the 15-year-old son, you're like, listen, I've been vomiting. I'm not feeling well. I got to power through it. I'm going to power through it today. I know I can do it. And then you call the boss and say, listen... (laughs) I've been spewing, like I've just done a pre- pregnancy test. I'm not pregnant, but I don't know what's wrong. And she's like, right. I understand. Take the day off. Take the day off tomorrow. Yeah. We don't need you. So you you wake up the next day and you are feeling good. Donna Lewis is playing I Love You Always Forever. It's blasting on the speakers. Then you go to Hank's Bagel and you have this delicious salt bagel, but you want the cream cheese with chives on the side so that mm-hmm. you can break up your bagel and, and lightly put the cream cheese on each. You don't want to lick the, the lid of the cream cheese. You just want to put in little bits. You mm-hmm. then are having an espresso martini at Bar Flores, which is on the side of the hill. But you know, the stairs to go down, it's just too difficult. So Adam Driver picks you up. He <laughs> takes you down, down the stairs. He says not a word, but tips his hat and walks off into the distance. You never say here again. <laughs> you <laughs> go we, home. About how we both like recognize that there's some kind of like past life connection. That's true. There was a connection. Uh, your a your auras were intertwined. Mm-hmm, Definitely. Mm-hmm. You right. then go home and you're like, you know, I'm just going to watch a bit of my favorite show, which is Crash Landing on You, which is a K-drama about a, a South Korean lady uh, crashing into a North Korea sounds terrifying. But then as you're watching the TV show, you get a call from Brigham, who's one of your best mates. And, mm-hmm. and they go, listen, um, Getty Villa, they're having a party. You have to go. So all your girlfriends come over to prepare for the party. Your husband is being a great house husband. He's tending on any of your needs. Then you're wearing your dress that you found that was from Elvis. It's a stunning blue dress as the helicopter comes and takes you to the party. You arrive at this party and who's there but your best mates, BTS, where you do yes. <laughs> you do an impromptu uh, mashup song that everyone loves. And then you have a Q&A where your ex is one of the reporters and they, are, they know that you've won. They know that you have definitely won this battle. And you leave the party, sit on the beach, have a cheeseburger with your friend, Mary. How does that sound for your huge, perfect day off? That sounds like someone who's doing life right. Yeah. And then I think I end the day by calling my boss at that coffee shop in Dallas, Texas. And I say, this is the worst place I've ever worked. <laughs> yeah, you finally do the mic Ten drop. years from now, I will still be saying this is the worst place I have ever worked. Yeah. I quit. <laughs> so normally we have uh, the boss call up at the end and say, what are you doing? But the reason why I've stopped doing this is because every single time everyone just says, I quit. I hate this job. So I was like, you know what? I think it's just assumed at this point. Let's skip to the chase. Let's skip to the chase. Yeah. Yeah. So I say, I quit and I was lying to you and you fell for it. And her 15 year old son is crying. It's a whole thing. 
She got us. <laughs> she wins this round. She won. Well, that is a huge, huge day off. Thank you so much, Catherine, for coming on the pod. We are so excited to see you at the Edinburgh Fringe with your show, Grown Up Orphan Annie. We cannot wait to see you. Thank you for coming on to Chucking a Sickie. Oh my gosh, thank you. This was truly a delight. Thank you, and I will see you in Edinburgh. I can't wait. <coughs> well, there you have it. The perfect day off for Catherine Bourne-Taylor. The cameo by Adam Driver really got me. The fact that he says nothing and they were bonded in a past life, I love that. It's, it's perfect. I also can't wait to bring Baraka to America and trademark bagel bites with cream cheese. Although, I think that might already be a thing. I don't know. But if it isn't, I'm trademarking it right here and now. Make sure to grab your tickets to see Catherine in Grown Up Orphan Annie, which is heading to the Edinburgh Fringe from the 2nd to the 27th of August. I know I'll be there. Links to tickets are in the description below, so make sure to get them because they're selling out fast. And as always, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Chuck and Asiki and follow us on the socials at Chuck and Asiki Podcast. And join us next week for another perfect day off on Chucking Asiki. Chucking Asiki.